Dankie vir die blessing. Nou ja, hier is nou weer die uh, Afrikaanse dienst vir die Engelse mense. Ne? O, nee, is andersom. Is andersom. So this is the English service for the Afrikaans people. So, good morning to those that I haven't greeted yet. It's nice to be with you again. All honor and glory to Jesus Christ. It's all about our Lord Jesus. As we've just sung now, and we pray that the Lord alone will be glorified. So let us pray together. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we want to glorify you in this morning. Lord, the word says you inhabit the praises of your people. And we pray that you felt welcome, Lord, with the songs that we just sang. And thank you, Lord, we know the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst. So we know that the Creator is here this morning. And you're welcome here, Lord. It's all about you today. And we pray that your Holy Spirit will take me out of the way, that I will not be the one speaking, Lord, but that you will speak in and through me, so that you alone will be glorified. We pray that your Holy Spirit will reveal the Scriptures to us also about this matter that we are discussing today. And Lord, that all of us will be willing to learn, that we will have teachable spirits and teachable hearts in this matter as well. And thank you, Father, that you do give us the authority to say to Satan, we bind your works now. This is holy ground because God is here. You will not steal this message from the ears of God's children and you will leave in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we pray that you will cover us with your blood. We pray that you will set up your angels all around this place and that you yourself will be a wall of fire around about us according to Zechariah 2 verse 5. So that this will be a safe place while we are busy, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Will you glorify it in this morning, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so today I'm going to speak to you about my finances in God's hands. I know this is one thing that Chris never preaches about. So, God said to me, you preach about it. <laughs> And I did tell him I'm going to, so I've got his consent. <laughs> but this is a message that I had to learn many years ago. For those of you who know me, know I was a lawyer for 10 years of my life, and I never knew this. I never knew God's principles about finances in his word. I tried to live my finances, and I tried to use my finances according to the world's principles. To what the world teaches us, to what the world says we can or cannot do or may or may not do. And eventually I lost everything in my life. Eventually I lost my practice as a lawyer because I did not know what the financial principles are in the word of God. So today I can discuss this with you and know I did not study this from some kind of a book. I felt it. In my back pocket. So come as I it in Engels. So I felt it in my back pocket. So what I'm going to tell you today. Is more a testimony of what happened in my own life. But maybe it can also just help you. To understand certain principles in the word. And the way that God wants us. To use his finances. Because remember everything we have is his. Everything we have. Has just been given to us. To use and to enjoy in his kingdom. 
And you all know I always start with this verse, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 13 says, For we write none other things unto you than what ye read or acknowledge. And I trust ye shall acknowledge even to the end. And if you read that verse, we must understand one thing. This book was written for us not to keep on playing interpretation games. Because for so long people try to teach me that I must just interpret the Bible correctly. It's got nothing to do with interpretation. Read what it says. Understand what it says. And then start to do what it says. Because in Luke 6 verse 46, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I say? Yesterday I was doing a seminar in Boxburg. And some people were there that have been coming to our seminars in Pretoria for quite a number of years. And they're struggling with one small little thing. And I asked them both, after all these years of coming to the seminars, of hearing me say certain things that you must do, have you done it once in all these years? No. So I asked them, so why do you come to the seminars then? If I teach you what you must do, because I had to learn to do these things, and the Word of God is not only applicable to my life, it's applicable to each and every one of our lives. So why aren't you doing what I'm teaching you? And then you say, I'm not getting any any breakthroughs. But you're not doing what the Word says. So this is the thing that we must all understand. You know, Chris can stand here every Sunday morning. I can stand here every time that I come and visit. And any other preacher that comes here can teach you all these things. But if you walk out of that door and you do not do anything with what you've heard, why are you here? Just not to feel guilty? Because at least you were in church on Sunday morning. Or are you here because you really want to do something with what the Word of God says we must go and do? And you see, the moment that we understand that we have to start to do something, we also must understand something else. There is a devil out there. There is an enemy that wants to stop us from doing these things. He wants to make you feel like a failure. He wants to make you feel that you're not good enough. He wants to make you feel unworthy because you don't get the breakthroughs. But you see, if we don't realize, only the Lord Jesus can break it open in my heart. And if I say I belong to the Lord Jesus... That's where it all starts. Then he lives within me, and I want to do the things that he says I must do. Because in Matthew 22, verse 29, Jesus said, Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. And that's our problem. We do not know our Scriptures. And do you know why we do not know our Scriptures? Because we do not know the author of the Scriptures. We are not in a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't know how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We don't know in which way we should read the scriptures and just start to do what it says. Why? Because we all grew up with interpreting the scriptures. Yeah, but you see, my interpretation is this. My interpretation is that. And while we're busy interpreting, nobody's doing. And Satan laughs at us because he keeps us bound He keeps us ineffective in the kingdom of God. He keeps us ineffective in our finances. And we wonder why. Because we're not doing what the word says we must do. Luke 16 verse 13 says, No servant can serve two masters. 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and Mammon. Mammon is the old gold demon. Mammon is the demon that makes us want more. Mammon is the one that whispers in your ear, you know what? Your neighbor bought himself a 2018 model. You only have a 2014 model. It's time for a new one. So now you go and make a lot of new debt. Because, you know, you have to keep up with the Joneses. You also have to have a new model. And Satan starts to steal our finances. Why? Because what are we doing now? We're starting to serve mammon. But yet we say we're Christians. So the moment that I understand what mammon is trying to do in my finances, I must understand I must break all ties with mammon and all his demon spirits. Because I explained it to you before when I was here. Remember the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5, we write, uh, you can not think any thoughts of your own. Remember that? For we are not sufficient as of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves. So my thoughts come from one of two places, either from the devil or from God. You cannot think any thoughts of your own. The only thing you have is a free will to choose which thought you take and which thought you cast out. That's why 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, we must capture all our thoughts to the obedience of Christ. Each and every thought. Why? Because in a split second, you must understand who is busy with you in your mind. It cannot be you. But Satan is very, very clever. So he does not put a thought in your mind in the third person. He does not say to you, Elise, you are not a good mother to your child. He puts a thought in the first person. And it sounds like this, I am not a good mother. I am not a good father. I am a failure. And now you think they are your thoughts. So now you start to feel guilty. So what's Satan doing? He is accusing you in your own mind. And instead of capturing your thoughts to the obedience of Christ, you receive that accusation. And you start to live according to that accusation. And it just breaks you down every time. And he does the same with finances. I'm not good enough. I don't know how to handle my finances. You know, I was never born for this. I was never... Ma- yeah, 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 yeah. But Satan knows what to do. So Mammon will come and put that thought in your mind. People will like me more if I live in a bigger house. I will be more accepted if I live in that part of the city. I will put that thought in your mind. God doesn't care what part of the city you live in. God doesn't care what kind of a car you drive. God doesn't care whether you wear Gucci or Fuji. It doesn't matter to him. Hong Kong Fung or whatever the case may be. That's not part of the whole thing. It does not faze him whether you wear the most expensive clothes or whether you make your own clothes. He loves you for who you are. He died for you for who you are. Why? Because of who he is. Not because of anything special that you and I did. Because of who he is as God. And we need to get to a place of worshipping him for who he is. 
and becoming obedient to his word because of who he is. And if he says you cannot serve God and mammon, we must make a decision. So when that thought comes into my mind to make new debt, and I know I cannot afford that, then don't go there. If I already feel burdened down by the debts I already have, why enter into new ones? Because you need a new hi-fi. You're lying. You already have to. Satan is trying to steal your money. Stop listening to the devil. It's interesting that in the Bible, there are 215 verses regarding faith. 218 verses regarding salvation and 2,084 verses regarding finances and being good custodians of our finances. Did you know that? And this is from the book Wealth, Money, and Riches by Craig Hill and Old Pitts. So the Bible actually gives us 10 times more information about finances and being good custodians than it does about faith or salvation. Yeah, it's written by Jews, it honor. Because Jesus was a Jew. So you see, it's time that we start to understand that finances is important in God's eyes. Why? Because it's supposed to work for building up his kingdom. I'm not supposed to just use my finances for myself. I'm supposed to use my finances to win other souls for the kingdom of God. And this is what we must understand. I'm always so surprised when we come to certain churches, and the moment the pastor preaches about finances, everybody's angry. I say, why? Why are you angry? Because you got up this morning from a bed that you bought with money. You put on clothes that you bought with money. You brushed your teeth with a toothbrush, toothbrush that you bought with money. Then you got in your car that you bought with money. So you drive to church. And the pastor says, you know what? The kingdom needs money. And you're angry. Why? This is all about you. This is my money. I've got news for you. If God did not bless you, you would not have anything. You would not even have breath. Because he's God. He's in charge. Everything that exists belongs to him. He created everything. He created you and I. We did not create him. We are going to stand before his throne. He's not going to stand before our throne. And he's going to ask you, my child, what did you do with my book regarding your finances? Yeah, Lord, but you know, my friend said, if I invest this lot of money with that specific person, I will have a hundred percent return. Ah, really? But yet, you know what? People know these scams don't work, yet they still do it. Isn't it interesting? They still do it. They still go and invest hundreds of thousands of rands in a scam. And then they lose their money. And husbands and wives are angry with each other for the next 40 years. Because they lost that money 40 years ago. And they're angry because of finances not being handled according to the word of God. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 9 says the following. It says, for to this end also did I write that I might know the proof of you. Look at this. That I might know the proof of you. Whether ye be obedient in 
all things. I always ask the question, what does all mean? All means all. <laughs> Including your finances. So are you also obedient to God in the way you handle your finances? A man that I knew once said to me, Tian, you know what? You cannot mix religion and business. It's two different things. You cannot bring God into your business. Your business is your business and God is what you're busy with on Sunday. I said to him, I've got news for you. That is not the way that you should argue. Because God must be part of your business. God must be part of your finances. The way you handle your finances must be according to the word of God. And about a year ago, I found out that he just got out of jail after 10 years in jail because God was never in his business. He did it his way. Like old Frank Sinatra, hey? I did it my way. Well, Frank has been dead long enough to find out whether his way was the right way or not. There's only one way, my dear friends, it's God's way. People are so quick to say it's my way or the highway, and I've got news for you, it's God's way or the highway. It's the highway to hell or the narrow way to heaven. And the thing is, God gave us a free will, as I said. You make the decision which one you are choosing. Because not one of us will ever stand before God's throne and say, Lord, I did not know. I did not have a chance to make a decision. Because this loving God that we have gives every person on this world thousands of new chances. With a friend coming to speak to you, with you sitting in a sermon, listening to a message, or whatever the case may be, nobody will ever be able to stand before God's throne and say, Lord, you're unfair. You never taught me. And he will say, no, my child, you were there, 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 there. That person spoke to you, that person spoke to you, that person spoke to you. Why did you not choose for me? Because we must understand one thing, my dear friends. Why was there a tree in the Garden of Eden that they should not eat of? Because true love can only be tested when there is something to choose. They had to have Something to choose from. So God did not make us unwilling puppets. He gave us a free will and he said, choose my child. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 says, I give unto you peace or all the bad things of the world. Blessings or curses. Life or death. Choose life so that you can live, you and your seed. So God wants us to choose life. Satan wants us to choose death. Internal death, but also death in our finances, death in our marriages, death in our bodies, because we do all these things that we're not supposed to do and we get sick and then we're angry with God because we're listening to the devil. Malachi 3 verse 8 to 11 says, Will a man rob God? Look at this. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? Then he says, in tithes and offerings. I want you to read that again. It says, in tithes and offerings. It's two different things. It's not just one thing. 
There are tithes and there are offerings. And we'll discuss that this morning. Ye are cursed with a curse, says God, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Because I never understood this whole principle regarding tithes and offerings when I was in church 20 years ago. It's now 20 years ago that I got saved. I was an elder in the church and I did not know this. Our church never said something about tithes. I never knew about tithes or offerings. So when the diakon would come to me for his monthly little book write-up, I would give him five rands with a very, very sore heart. And once a year, our church had a tithes month. And then I would give him 200 rand. Because I did not understand the principles. Then God proceeds to say, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. This is the only verse in the whole Bible where God says, prove me. Test me. Test me, God says. Prove me herewith. Say the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. What does he say? If you start to do this, I will rebuke the devil coming to try and steal your money for your sakes. But then you must be obedient to my word first. God says, if you will, I will. But I must take the first step. The prodigal son, he ended up among a lot of pigs. But who had to take the first step? The prodigal son. The father did not take the first step. The son had to come to his senses and say, I need to return to my father's house. And God says, if you do what I say, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, say the Lord of hosts. And people say to me, you know what? No, Mm-mm. I don't believe in tithes. I don't pay my tithes. Or I'm not worried about the offerings because that was part of the law. And I'm free from the law. Well, we'll see what the Bible says today. Because unfortunately, in many people's lives, people coming to me for counseling, I see exactly that thing that ye are cursed with a curse. Many people's finances are cursed with a curse. They don't get breakthrough in their finances because they are not willing to do what the Bible says they must do. And 20 years ago, one night, I was standing on my knees in front of my bed. And my Bible was lying open before me. And I said for the first time, Lord, you know what? For the first time in my life, I click that this is the living word of the living God. And I choose, I choose from tonight to start to do what the Bible says. So, Lord, if I see something in this word that I'm doing that I'm not supposed to do, then I will stop doing that. Lord, and if I read something in this word that I'm not doing that I'm supposed to start to do, I will start to do that. And when I started doing that, my friends, it started working in my finances, in my marriage, in my relationship with my children. Why? Because it is the living word of a living God. But you see, I had to start to change. God is not the one that's going to change. I am the one that must change. Remember, I always say that we have the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Trinity. And then we have the unholy Trinity, me, myself, and I. And as long as I'm busy with me, myself, and I, this is how I see it. And I don't care what you say. 
you're wrong, you're busy with the wrong trinity there. It's time to become obedient to the holy trinity of God. To do what the word says. We must stop robbing God. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And so people say to me, Tian, what, okay, what's the storehouse? Because certain churches will tell you, if you don't bring your tithes into this church, God will never bless you. Now the storehouse is where souls are being won for God's kingdom. So yes, if you are in a congregation like this one that keeps on winning souls, by all means. Where you get your spiritual food, by all means. But if you are in a church out there, a church that does not win souls for the kingdom, what are you doing? You're taking that money and you're throwing it on the ground. Because I asked the Lord, Lord, what is your storehouse? And he said to me, Dion, my storehouse is not buildings or vehicles. And he referred me to that verse in Matthew that says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where the moth does not consume and it does not rot away. And he said to me, Tian, what treasures can you bring to heaven one day? I said, Lord, souls. I said, yes, that's the only treasures you can bring. So my storehouse is where they are winning souls for heaven. So bring your tithes to where they are winning souls for heaven. Then God will open up the windows of heaven. Because I get people saying to me, you know what? I'm part of a church and my pastor preached about tithes and I tried it for three months and nothing happened so I stopped doing it. Because it's not working. Well, I've got news for you. When I started to learn this lesson 20 years ago, I started giving my tithes and my offerings and it still took nearly four years before my finances started changing around. Because are you willing to just keep on persevering in faith? Or is it again, God, you're not quick enough. Why aren't you helping me quick enough? Oh, so it's about you again. It's not about him, eh? So we still want to keep on robbing God, but we expect him to bless us. We are so quick to quote scripture to God, but we're not willing to become obedient to God. No matter how long it takes. You know, God says to Abraham, Abraham, you're going to have a child. After 13 years, Abraham says, mm -mm. where is this child? Sarah says, mm, Hagar, maybe God meant Hagar. So Abraham says, yeah, that must be God speaking. Because obviously she was younger than Sarah. She might have been a bit more good looking at that time or whatever the case may be. So Ishmael was born outside the will of God. So what happened then? They had to wait another 12 years. So Abraham had to wait 25 years before the promise of God came to be in his life. So how long are you willing to be obedient to God before you start making your own plans again? We must stop making our own plans so that God says, He can help me. And for those people that say to me, but Tian, the tithes and the offerings were part of the law. I refer them to this verse every time. Genesis 14, verse 18 to 20. Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. So he meets Abraham. And he blessed him and he said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand. 
And then Abraham gave Melchizedek tithes of all. And my dear friends, I made the note there, that was 400 years before the law was given to Moses. So for those people saying tithes and offerings is only part of the law, that was before the law. And we must understand one thing, Melchizedek was a king, the king of Salem, and he was a priest of the Most High God. Salem is the same where the Hebrew word comes from, Shalom. So Melchizedek was the king of peace. Who is the prince of peace? Jesus Christ is. And he was also the priest of the Most High God. And we know the Bible says that Jesus Christ is a king and priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So who was Abraham giving the tithes to? To Jesus Christ. So who do you give your tithes to? To Jesus Christ. I don't care if you put it in that little box at the back over there. You're still giving it to Jesus. You're not giving it to Chris or to CWTLM. You're giving it to Jesus Christ. That's who you give your tithes to. So that God can use it in his kingdom the way he wants to use it. That he will give the specific church or the specific pastor wisdom on what to do with those finances in his kingdom. But Satan says, you know what? If I give my tithe to that church, he's going to buy himself a new Mercedes. If he does, that's a problem between him and the Lord. Not your problem. The Lord will sort him out for that. You just be obedient to the word and you give your tithes to the king and the priest of peace. And Salem is also the place that we know today as Jerusalem. That's what it was called initially. So, Melchizedek came from Jerusalem. He's the king of peace. So you don't give your tithes to the church, my dear friends. You don't give your tithes to the pastor. You give your tithes to the king of kings and the lord of lords. So when you do give your tithe, it's all about him. It's not about you or me. Genesis 28 verse 2 to 22 says, And Jacob again vowed a vow. Now Jacob was Abram's grandson, still about 400 years before the law. Jacob vowed a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. So what does, I, what does he say there? He says, I will give my tenth to God. I'm not giving it to any person. I will give it to God, to use as God deems fit. So hear me today. If you give your tithe, and God deems it fit to buy your pastor a Mercedes, that's God's prerogative. If God wants to bless his child for what he's doing in the kingdom, he will still bless you. Why? Because you gave your tithe. But our problem is we look at people. We look at what people are doing. And it's time to stop doing that. Lord, thank you that I can give my tithes to you. Thank you that I can bless the kingdom with my tithes. So, Lord, whatever you do with those tithes to bless your children with, thank you, Father, that I was a part in that. Thank you that I could be a part in that. 
in the name of Jesus. But the thing is what we must understand for those people that try to tell you that the tithes were a part of the law, it wasn't. The tithes were not part of the law. It came many, many years before the law. Leviticus 27 verse 13 and 32 says the following. And all the tithe. Tithe means tenth. One tenth. Ian tinder. Ten percent. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It's holy unto the Lord. And concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. So we must understand one thing. One tenth of your income, one tenth of everything you have, does not belong to you, my brother and my sister. It belongs to God. It's not even yours. And when I got saved 20 years ago, I just came out of being a lawyer. And an ex-lawyer, another ex-lawyer taught this thing to me. And he said to me, Tian, remember one thing? As a lawyer, we had two accounts. You have a business account and you have a trust account. Two accounts. The business account is your account. The trust account belongs to the clients. It's not your money. So if somebody comes to me and they would say, Tian, I want you to do this court case for me, whatever the case may be. I said, okay, it's going to cost you 5,000 rand or whatever. And then he would pay the 5,000 rand. That 5,000 rand goes into the trust account. It's not my money yet. I have not done the work yet. And then this guy said to, to me, Tian, you must understand one thing. One-tenth of everything you have is in the trust account. It's not yours. It's God's. So it starts from the top. You don't pay everything you have to pay, and then at the bottom you say, okay, I've got five rand left. How much can I give to God? 10% of this. Now God comes first. And people will always ask you, okay, but do I calculate my tithe on my gross or on my net? And Gary Kiesvetter is a well-known preacher as well. He always used to say, okay, you decide. Do you want to be blessed gross or net. It's your decision. It's for you to decide. The thing is, there is no method of calculation in the Bible for that. And we'll come to the verses now of why. Because God is looking at our hearts. He just wants to see if we are willing to do this for Him. But we must understand because many people, the moment you speak to them about tithe, they say to me, yeah, yeah, you know what, but it's not just my finances. I give a tenth of my time to the hospitals, and I give a tenth of my... Yes, that's that as well. Yeah, you're quite right. So it's not just a tenth of your money. It's a tenth of your time. What do you do for God the rest of the week? Or do you only do for God when you come and sit here? Or do you go out and you go and pray for the sick? Go to an old age home and help the elderly there. The widows, as the Bible says. Proverbs 3 verse 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. So when will your barns be filled with plenty and your presses burst forth with new wine? 
When will those blessings come forth? When you start to honor God with your money. With the first fruits. And I'm not even going to talk about first fruits today because there's another word there. It's called the teruma in Hebrew. So we have the first fruits and then we have the tithes and the offerings. But the thing is, the principle I want to fix in your heart today, I'm just talking about the tithes and the offerings, is the fact that you're honoring the Lord with your finances. So stop looking at people. Stop saying, no, I'm not going to give my money because I don't know what they're going to do with that money. That's not your problem. You're honoring the Lord when you bring your money, when you give your money into the kingdom. So what that person does with the money is between him and the Lord. If he's not a good custodian of God's money, God will work with him, not you. God will sort him out. Proverbs 11 verse 24 says, There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. In other words, it says, there are some around us that give and keep on giving, and they keep on receiving. But there are others that hold back to their own poverty. Because there is a saying that says, you cannot outgive God. You can try as much as you like. The past 20 years, I really tried. The more I give, the more he gives. That even my bookkeeper is really having a hard time the last few years. He says to me, what's happening to all this money? I don't know. Ask the Lord. Where is it going? Well, you can see where it's going. Either to this place or to ministries, winning souls for the Lord, or whatever the case may be, or to the widows, whatever the case may be. You see what's happening. The world does not understand that. They don't understand that the more you give, the more you will receive. Because the world says, no, 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 no. You must build yourself a dam. Build yourself a dam with a thick wall and put all your money in there and keep it safe as for the old age. God says, do not worry about the day of tomorrow. And I heard somebody say once, you know what? Do you want to be a reservoir or do you want to be a canal? Because a reservoir just keeps on receiving water and then it becomes full and then it stagnates. Whereas if you are a canal, as quick as you can get, give it out at the bottom, there will be more coming in from the top. And you know, initially, when I got saved 20 years ago, we had nothing, Joey and myself. We were declared bankrupt. In the same town that I drove with the Mercedes, I walked with my feet. And I said to the Lord, when I started learning these principles, Lord, you know what? I don't have enough to give a full tithe. I cannot give a full tenth. But Lord, I have five rand. And Lord, I'm going to give this five rand with all the thankfulness of my heart that I have five rand to give to you. To give for your work. And I started giving. And then God started multiplying it. And then in the end, if you just start looking back, you suddenly realize you're giving more than a tithe. Why? Because God does not, does not stop giving. And because he does not stop giving, you cannot stop giving. You just keep on giving. Because what do you want to do with that money? No, I must invest it. All right, if God blesses you and you can invest some money, praise the Lord. But what are you doing with the rest? What are you doing with the rest? Are you using it in the kingdom or not? 
Luke 6 verse 38 says, Give and it shall be given unto you. How much? Look at that. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. Shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. You see this whole picture that he's giving us there is if you take a bucket and you put in some sand and then it's full. What do you do with that bucket? You just stamp it down and what happens? That sand goes down. So you can put in more. Then you just shake it a little bit and you stamp it down and that sand goes down and you can put in more. That was what he's trying to show us there. The more you give, the more it can be given to you. But the world says, no! I have a few friends, not just one, that used to be insurance salesmen. And they said to me, Tian, you know what? What hit me between the eyes is that I was actually selling fear. What if? What if? What if? What if? You know, and most of the insurance policies have a paragraph there that says, Acts of God. Forces of nature. So they don't even believe in God, but they've got acts of God written into their documents. Why? Because we're living in fear. Fear about the future. Fear about what tomorrow will bring. Even though God says, don't worry about tomorrow. Who cares what God says? I'm in charge. So if I'm in charge, who am I listening to? To the devil. While the Bible says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Why are you not resisting the devil, my brother and my sister? Yeah, but. Yes, I hear you, but. Yeah, mar. Then I say, yeah, mar, la jenny la Why can I say this to you, my dear friends? Well, you know why? Because I love you. Number one. And number two, because I know it works. Because it worked in my life. And it's been working in my life for the past 20 years. But I had to die to myself. I had to die to my views. And the way I see things and the way I want to do things. And shame, poor me. I'm always the one in trouble. But I'm not obedient to God. I have to die to myself. Or these things will not work. I must become obedient to the word of God. Or these things will not work. Give. And it shall be given unto you. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 and 7 says. But this I say. He which soweth sparingly. Look at that. He which soweth sparingly. Shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully. Shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. And that's the whole thing. Initially, when I started to do this, when I started to understand what this principle is all about, I said, Lord, I purpose in my heart to eventually give you the full tithe and even more. But Lord, at this stage, I cannot. So Lord, here is my five rand. And I give it. Look at that. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a 
cheerful giver. So Lord, thank you that I can give this with a cheerful heart. I'm so thankful that I can give you this five rand, Lord, or this ten rand, or this fifty rand, or this hundred rand. Thank you, Lord. I'm a cheerful giver. You know, if you say, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, it's like a listening. I really don't want to do this, but I must, eh? Well, then don't give it. Because the Bible says give, not grudgingly or of necessity. So if you give it grudgingly or of necessity, don't give it. We must get to the place of learning to give with a cheerful heart. With a thankful heart. Lord, you know, I've got 50 rand. But I know that guy sitting over there, he does not even have five. So thank you, Lord, that I can give my five to him. Then I've got 45 for myself that I can use. But you know what Satan says is, "Uh uh-uh. It's easy to give five rand on 50. It's easy to give 10 on 100. It's even easy to give 100 on 1,000. But when you get to a place of receiving 100,000 and you have to give 10,000, Ooh, man. What happens in that same week? Your car's engine blows. You get two flat tires. The gas chamber in your fridge goes. Your stove blows up. So now what? Are you now going to buy yourself two new tires, a new stove, a new fridge with that 10,000 rand? Or are you still going to give the 10,000 rand to God? And I know you're smiling here because (laughs) you know it happens. I know most of you, and I know it's happened in most of your lives. Because it happened in my life. Because I had to learn this principle. Are you still going to be able to give with a cheerful heart if everything blows up in that week? Are you going to say, Lord, what's happening now? The enemy is trying to stop you from becoming obedient to the word of God. That's all. Because he knows if you go on and you give that tithe, God will start to bless you. Mark 12, verse 41 to 44 says, And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow. And she threw in two mites which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and he saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. See, God is looking at your heart. It does not impress him. And I see that in many churches that I minister in, where people say, you know what? I gave a hundred thousand rand to the church last year. Really? Why do you have to tell it to everybody? Trying to uh, impress people? So God says, if you do that, you've already received your reward from man. So, don't tell everybody. God looks at your heart. If you know, I've only got 20 rand in my pocket today and I still need to buy bread. Are you willing to give that 20 rand? 
Now, where am I going to buy my bread? <laughs> God knows. I always give people the testimony. I, one day I walked into our house and I opened our fridge and there was one tomato in the fridge. Just one. And I had a wife and two daughters in the house. And I knew I had no money. But, I, you know, I started giving my tithes, the five rand and the ten rand and the twenty rand and the fifty rand and the, that kind of thing. And I said, Lord, the Bible says give us today our daily bread. We don't have food today. And then somebody phoned me and he said, Tian, do you and your family want to come and pray with us tonight? Thank you, Lord, for dinner. You know, and... But what do we usually say? No, I'll do everything. I will not receive anything from anybody else. You see, this is one thing I had to learn. In the kingdom of God, you need to learn to receive. Because if God wants to bless somebody else because he blesses you with a plate of food, don't you say no to that plate of food. If God wants to bless somebody else because he gives you five rand, don't you say no to that five rand. Because you are stealing his blessing. You are stealing that person's blessing that wants to bless you with something and you say no because you're full of pride. Because it's pride that says, no, I will not receive this. So let's die to our pride. Let's stop being so prideful. Let's say, thank you, Lord, for bringing friends over my path that are willing to help us, to bless us with whatever. And then it can start with a five rand and it can end up with somebody walking up to you and saying, here's a car for you. What? You're giving me a car? Yeah. God says I must give you the car. You're not serious. Yes. It happened to me four times in my life. Four times in my life. Because God is always through his word, to his word. He says, prove me. And I will open the windows of heaven for you. That you won't understand this. But are you willing to persevere? If it does not happen within day one or year ten or whatever the case may be. Just keep on going. 1 John 3 verse 17 and 18 says, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So if God blesses you with finances, how do you keep it just for yourself? But you see, I have to do all this for my family. You are not your family's source, God is. And I say to many women as well, you must understand one thing. Even your husband is not your source. God is. Don't put your trust in any person. Put your trust in God. Because if your husband dies and you made him your source, what are you going to do? You will fall apart in depression and fear and anxiety. But if you made God your source, even if he falls away, you will still have the same source. Because he never changes. He is still God. But the thing is, are you putting seed into the ground? Are you sowing seed into the ground so that that crop can come up at some stage? 
Acts 20 verse 35 says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Sure. It is more blessed to give than to receive, but I still need to be able to receive as well. And pride makes you not want to receive. Pride makes makes you say, no, 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 no. I don't need your money. I'm okay. Well, I know I'm going to die of thirst tonight because there's nothing in my house, but I don't want your ten rand. It's time to be able to receive, but it's also more blessed to give than to receive. So don't steal that person's blessing that wants to give to you. Bless him. That's why every time the people blesses me with a cent or with a hundred rand or whatever the case may be, I put my hand on their hand and I say, Lord, I call this money back for them a hundredfold. Bless them for what they are blessing us with in the name of Jesus. And you know what the Bible says, what you sow, you will reap. So if you sow blessings, you will reap blessings. But if you sow curses, Speaking negative words over your finances, negative words over your future, negative words over anything. You will reap those curses. You will reap the negative things that you spoke. Because the Bible says the power of death and life lies in the tongue. And everyone that useth it shall eat the fruit thereof. So what you are speaking, my dear friends, is what you will eat. If you speak death, you will eat death. Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, in all thy ways. Again, what is all? All. Including finances. Acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. So Lord, what must I do with my finances this month? Lord, how must I be a good custodian of the finances that you blessed me with? And yes, as a good custodian, you can use it for your house, for your family, for food in your house. But as a good custodian, if you ask the Lord, he will say, okay, there's some extra there. I want you to go and help that old lady over there. She does not have food this month. Go and buy her some groceries. What? No what? Thank you, Lord. That I may do that. Thank you, Lord, that you so bless me that I can bless an old lady that does not have food to eat. Romans 13, verse 1 to 5. I'm going to read this over here. That thing is a bit small now. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, bad or wrong, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. What is he referring to? To the governments above us, to the departments above us. Then he proceeds to say in Romans 13, verse 6 to 8, For for this cause pay ye tribute, my dear friends, taxes. 
For they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute, in other words, taxes to whom taxes is due, custom, that is tolls, to whom custom is due, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. So my question to you is, are you fighting against the taxes or are you paying your taxes? Are you fighting against the toll system or are you paying the tolls? So are you obedient to the word of God or are you going with the world? When people send me these petitions to sign against the toll roads, I say to them, I will not sign that petition. Why? Because my God provides more than enough for me to pay the e-tolls. Thank you. Because he opens the windows of heaven. Why? Because I'm obedient to his word. As a lawyer for 10 years of my life, my taxes were never up to date. The past 17 years in ministry, my taxes have all been up to date to the cent to the 28th of February 2019. And glory to God for that. Because the Bible says, he that glorieth, let him glory in God. You see, because when I started being obedient to the word of God, he blessed me so much because... My bookkeeper is a friend of mine, and we've been friends now for 30 years, and for 30 years he used to say to me, Tian, you must have a separate account, put in some money for your taxes, and I always used to say, say to him, I've got nothing extra. Where can I put anything extra? There's nothing extra to put extra. The past 17 years, guess what? There's enough extra to put into that account. So that every time he phones me, he says to me, Tian, this is the amount for the end of February. Tian, this is the amount for the end of August. I say to him, I've got it. No fear. Why? Because I had to die to myself. I had to die to my views and the world views of doing things. I had to die to Satan's view of being afraid of everything happening around me. Of living in fear of all the things happening in our country. Because I serve a living God who is true to his word, who has never changed. And if he said that thing 2,000 years ago, he's saying it today. Exactly the same thing, exactly the same principles still apply. That's why I say, can I preach this to you? Yes, I can. Because I felt it in my back pocket. I did not study it in some book somewhere. It works, my brothers and my sisters. It's the true word of the living God. But I had to start to do it. So guess what? You will have to start to do it. Isaiah 58 verse 6 to 8 says, Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To lose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh, then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. What we're talking about now is the offerings. Because tithes, my dear friends, are to win souls for the kingdom of God. Offerings are over and above your tithes. Offerings is exactly that amount that you want to give to the old lady who does not have food. If you buy food for her, that's an offering. That's not a tithe. 
if you help the hungry and the poor. Because it's interesting. The Bible talks about the strangers, the orphans, and the widows. And look at that. So if you want to sow money, sow it into the strangers, the orphans, and the widows. Those are your offerings. Your tithes are to win souls for the kingdom of God. Your offerings are to help the strangers, the orphans, and the widows. Who is the stranger? Well, that includes the guy standing at the corner with, lost my mom, need to help my dad, whatever the case may be. You know what? Sometimes I would stop next to that guy and I would really hear the voice of the Holy Spirit say to me, give him a hundred rand. And next time I would stop there and the Holy Spirit would say to me, smile at him and wave. Smile and wave, boys. Then I smile and wave. But Satan wants you to feel guilty for this poor guy standing at the corner there. I tell you, if you give to all the poor guys standing at the corner, you will have no money left. You will be standing on the corner as well the week after that. So you must be led by the Holy Spirit in when to give and when not to give. Because we must understand another principle. We always ask the people, is this thing a good idea or a God idea? Because Satan will make it sound good, but it's not a God idea. Satan will even quote some scripture, scripture to you to make it sound good, but it will still not be a God idea. So you must ask yourself the question, is this a good idea or a God idea? So if God says give to that stranger, you give to that stranger. If God does not say give to that stranger, you do not give anything to that stranger. But the orphans, you know where they are. The widows, you know where they are. I've got a lot of names on my bank beneficiary list. And at the end of the month, I would always say to the Lord, Lord, who this month? And then he would say, that widow, that widow, that widow. Or that orphanage, that, 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 that. And then I do that. We must be obedient to the word or to the voice of the Holy Spirit on our insides. And then he will start to bless us. Tithes and offerings. You are robbing me with the tithes and offerings. How are we doing that? But we must understand one thing. Even the widows must help other widows. Because the principle is still applicable to the widows as well. The principle is still applicable to the orphans as well. So if God starts blessing that widow, if God starts blessing that orphan, she must also be a blessing to others around her. Not just keep it for herself. Again, that's what Satan wants us to do. I've got seven points here on what you must do to cover and protect your money. Number one, you must pray over your money. This is spiritual warfare that you must fight over your money, my dear friends, that we don't know about, that we don't do. So pray over your money. Number two, do spiritual warfare against mammon and his spirits, also the spirit of poverty. How do I do that? James 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So Lord, I submit my finances to you. Thank you, Father, for every cent that I received this month. Bless every person that blessed me this month. Bless my job. Bless my career. Bless the people. Bless the people that I work for. Bless them for the salary that they paid me, Lord. 
I bless them, Father. Satan, in the name of Jesus. Mammon, and your spirit of poverty. You attacking my finances. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. You leave my finances alone. If you don't do that, you will not flee from your finances. Number three. Break the curses spoken over your money. What curses? Many people will say, you know what? Money is the root of all evil. No, I'm sorry. That's not true. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. There's nothing wrong with money. So those are curses that people spoke over the money. So they had it in their wallet. They spoke these curses over the money. So they pay you. So guess what? You've got that money in your wallet now with the curses on it. So break those curses that were spoken over your money in the name of Jesus. And also the curse of Masonic waters. Now, what is Masonic waters? A friend of mine who used to be a pastor in a church in the Northwest, he phoned me one Sunday afternoon. He said to me, Tian, what is Masonic waters? I said to him, I've got no clue at all. But he says, well, well, you're the guy speaking against Freemasonry. I thought you would know what Masonic waters is. I said, no, but I've got a friend who used to be a Freemason who's also a pastor, but I'll phone him. And I phoned him and I said to him, Steve, Tell me, what is Masonic Waters? Because this friend of mine that was the pastor up in the Northwest Province, he said to me, Tian, I had this small little church, and my church started growing and, and expanding. And our finances started coming in, and we were blessed with finances coming into the church. But suddenly, everything stopped. It was like a knife through butter. The finances stopped. And I started losing people out of the church. People were leaving the church. He said, and I started praying and I asked the Lord, Lord, what's happening here? And then he said, I had a little nap this afternoon. And during the nap, I had a dream. And in my dream, I dreamt the words Masonic waters. And he said, when I woke up, I phoned you. I said, okay, let me phone Steve. So I phoned this friend of mine. And I said, Steve, talk to me about Masonic waters. He said to me, Tian, you remember that verse in the Bible that says, Cast your bread upon the water, and after many days it will return unto you. He said the Freemasons use that verse in the kingdom of darkness. What they do is they become part of your church, or they start to do business with you in your business. And then they give you money, or they pay their accounts, or in the church they say, but we bless you, we know you want to build a new part for the children, whatever the case may be, so this is a blessing for you, and, 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 but you don't know they're Freemasons because they don't tell you that. And what they then do, they go back, and in the kingdom of darkness, they do certain rituals. And then they call back that money to themselves. And then your money cuts off. Dead. That is Masonic Waters. And you, unfortunately, my dear friends, don't know whether you do business with Freemasons. You don't know whether you even work for a Freemason. So the money that comes into your account, they might be calling back. So what must you do? Lord, thank you for every cent that I receive in my account. So I pray, Lord, that you will dry up any Masonic waters that are attracted to my money. That all those Masonic waters will be dried up on my finances. It's part of the spiritual war. Number four, sacrifice your money to God. What? Lord, I give you my money. 
Lord, I give you my heart, give you my soul, and my money. I give it all to you, Lord. Nothing is mine. And then see what he starts to do. He starts giving back. But are you willing to sacrifice it to him, or are you doing this? It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Sacrifice your money to God. Number five, pray and ask God to lift the curse of Malachi 3 verse 8. Very interesting point there. Malachi 3 verse 8, we read earlier, it says you are cursed with a curse, remember? Right, so Lord, thank you for forgiving me. I confess that in the past, I did not understand the principles of Matthew 3, uh, Malachi 3 verse 8 to 11. Lord, please forgive me that I robbed you in the tithes and the offerings. So, Lord, now I ask you to please lift the curse of Malachi 3 verse 8. Because remember, that curse comes from God. You cannot break a curse that comes from God. You must ask God to lift the curse over your finances. So, Lord, I ask you to please lift that curse that were upon me and upon my finances. Because I did not give my tithes and my offerings. Number six, pray God's shield around your money. Lord, I pray that you will put your shield around me and the way that I use my money. And then number seven, speak God's word over your money. What do you mean? Speak life over your finances. Lord, your word says, if I give my tithes and my offerings, you will open the windows of heaven. Lord, I don't see it yet, but I'm still speaking it. Lord, I don't see it yet, but I'm still speaking it. Thank you, Lord, that I know you are blessing me. Thank you, Lord, that I know that I can be a blessing unto others and bless those that bless me, Lord. Those seven points are the things I started doing over my finances the past 20 years. And it works. How long? Did you hear me just now? I said for the past 20 years. I'm still doing it. I never stopped doing it. I'm still doing it. Because I know if I stop doing this, Satan will try to steal my money in different ways. This is what we must do with our finances. Philippians 4 verse 19 says, But my God shall supply all your need, according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Look at that. So many people said, remember, yeah, look at that. The Bible says, God will supply all my need according to His riches in glory. Why don't I receive it yet? Die to yourself. Die to the way you want to see it. The way you want it. I must die to my way. Because there's a condition. What is the condition? Leviticus 18 verse 4 and 5 says, Ye shall do my judgments and keep mine ordinances to walk therein. I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. So if I start to do the things that the Bible says, it will happen in my life. Yeah, but you know, I think I passed Abraham. I've been doing it for 30 years now. And nothing is happening. Okay, let's forget Abraham. God says to Noah, Noah, build an ark. So Noah builds the ark. Some people say for 80 years. Some say for 100 years. Some say for 120 years. So how long are you willing to build your ark? You're not going to surpass Noah. 
So how long are you willing to just keep on building? Keep on trusting. Keep on standing in faith. Keep on persevering. Even though you don't yet see it break through, my brothers and my sisters, I tell you today, keep on praying. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17 says, pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying, but also don't stop fighting. Don't stop fighting mammon and the spirits of poverty, stealing your money, trying to make you, trying to make, you make the wrong decisions, putting thoughts into your mind to do the wrong things. You must resist those thoughts. Cast them out of your mind in the name of Jesus Christ. Tell the devil to go in Jesus' name. Tell the spirit of poverty to get out of your finances in Jesus' name. Ask the Lord to lift the curses of Malachi 3 verse 8. Ask the Lord to dry up all my sonic waters over your money in Jesus' name. Just do that. Haggai 1 verse 1 to 10 says, Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Have you ever had that feeling? A wallet full gata. As soon as you put money at the top, it just goes at the bottom. Why? There's a reason. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Think about this. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house. And I will take pleasure in it. And I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because of mine house that is waste. And ye run every man unto his own house. Therefore, the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. So God says, because you were so busy doing your own things for your own house and not giving me the glory that's supposed to come to me, not being obedient to my word, that is why you did not get your increase. Because you were busy with me, myself, and I. It's for me. I'm doing this for me and my house. God says, well, there will still be holes in your pocket then. If you don't start building my house in your life, if I don't become everything that's the most important to you in your life, you will be busy putting your money in pockets with holes every time. He proceeds to say in Haggai 2, verse 7 and 9, And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, say the Lord of hosts. Now look at this part. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Can you see that? That's why I said there's nothing wrong with money. Because the silver and the gold belongs to God. Nothing wrong to have silver and to have gold. It belongs to God. He wants to bless you with his silver and with his gold. The glory of the latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. So we must understand, there's nothing wrong with money. But what's the problem? As I said, 1 Timothy 6 verse 10 says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. 
which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. As long as you run after money, as long as you have a love of money, and you do this for money, you do that for money, and I have to make more profits and more profits, guess what? We lose our marriages. We lose our relationships with our children. We lose our relationships with the people that work for us because I become hard-hearted. Nobody wants to be around me anymore because I have this love of money and I'm piercing myself through with many sorrows. Because I'm running after money instead of running after God. Saying, Lord, what can I do for you? Where do you want to use me, Lord? In my family, in my community, wherever you want to use me, Lord. How do you want me to use my money, Lord, for you? Where can I be a blessing unto others with your finances, Lord? Because thank you, Lord, for this five cents I received the past week. Don't walk past that 10 cents that lies on the road. Don't do that. Because if 10 cents, it's about that size these days. That size. If you walk past that, why would God give you more? If you're not willing to be a custodian of 10 cents, why should God give you 10 million? If you're not willing to say, Lord, thank you for this 10 cents. Lord, I will use this wisely in your kingdom. Why would he give you 10 million? Galatians 6 verse 7 says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So if you sow love, you will reap love. If you sow money, you will reap money. So interesting that when we speak to people about that, you say, hey, listen, you must sow money as well. They say, no, I will sow my love. Yeah, sure, and you will receive love. But whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So after today, you make the decision to ask the Lord, Lord, where do you want me to sow among the strangers, the orphans, and the widows? And Lord, where can I bring my tithes to your storehouse? If it's this house, bless this house. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10 says, Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Look at that. God, my dear friends, only gives seed to the sower. So if you are not a sower, you cannot get seed. So it's time to start becoming sowers so that we can receive seed. And I know many testimonies of people that say they were going bankrupt. And they started praying and they said, Lord, what must I do? And God said, start sowing yourself out of bankruptcy. And they started saying, what? Not just money. The time they started spending with the Lord. The time they started doing certain things for the kingdom. And then God pulled them out of that bankruptcy. Joshua 1 verse 8, this book of the Lord shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, including finances. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then 
thou shalt have good success. So do you want to have your way prosperous and have good success? Then we must start to do what the word of God says, also regarding our finances. So in closing, child of God, do you yet give your tithes and offerings for number one, bringing souls into God's kingdom, and number two, looking after the strangers, the orphans and the widows? If not, don't you want to start taking God and his word? It's a decision you make. Because remember, we do not serve a dead God. Because Jesus said in Revelation 1, verse 17 and 18, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And all honor and glory goes to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I can just tell you today, and I can only pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal the truth of what I shared with you today even more in your own life. No matter how long it takes, I can tell you it's the truth of the word of God. Many, many people have already taken me on as well saying, Niku I've taken me on saying, but no, Tian, you know what? I don't believe in giving tithes anymore. That's okay. That's your decision. I know when I started giving my tithes and my offerings, God started changing my finances. And he's been doing it for the past 20 years, as I said. So you make the decision. You make the decision on what you want to do. May the Lord bless you for that. So let us pray and then we will just sing the last few songs. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Thank you that you say that we must prove you in this, in our finances. Lord, and I will pray and I do pray that your Holy Spirit will just reveal the truth of this message even more in the hearts of your princes and your princesses sitting here today. Lord, that we will not be bound by the fear of the world anymore. That we will not be listening to the lies of the devil in our finances anymore. But that we will stand up for the truth of your word. So that you can be glorified in that we can become blessings to others around us. And we thank you for that, Lord. Also be glorified, Lord, now in the last few songs that we sing. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and let's sing a few songs together. Also come for prayer if you want to be prayed for for your finances. You're willing to come, welcome to come forward and we will pray for you, not just for finances, but also for any other matter that you want us to pray. Thank you. So as I you thank you said you bly wag, terwyl Tian is so bedien. So klompie jare terug, 10, 12 jaar terug as ek by mannekamp heb betrokke. Ek het maandeliks dat ek gaan, jy kan sit. Ek het maandeliks dat ek gegaan en had ek net so 20 rand van die pink kaartje wat ek sien mense by die spar staan gekoop. Hulle noem om die lotto kaartje. Maar hy het 20 rand. So lief, jy sal nie weet of dat ek hierdie ding doen nie. En die manne kan vooral vir my leon, jy moet die nacht maar bedien. Jy moet voor ons nou as leidere men die klein groepies gaan beginne doen, so ons kom as klein groepleiders by mekaar en so aan. Ek sê nie as recht. Ek het so'n rooie sak gehad en ek haal my bybel uit en so aan sy zipkant. Ek weet nie my pen gesoek het nie. Jy leid die pakkie al lekker dik van die maande wat opgebouw is en so aan. En net daar praat die vader met my. Hy sê vir my, jy kan hierdie beker deel as jy my betrokke is nie. So week al wat terug dit iemand so 230, 240 miljoen rand in die land gewen, ek dink so, dat jy ouds uit Goodwood in die kaap. En die gedachte kom my op, jy, het sal lekker wees om hierdie klompie geld te wen, ek sal so 30 miljoen vir die werk gee, en dan 200 miljoen sal ek my uitdink doen. 
betaal, sê sê, ek het so vers as die, die heer gerei, dit sê die heilige smis, dit jou prijs, jy sien, dit is die God van God, dit is so makkelijk, om jouself oop te maak vir dit, so as jy familie lid het, wat valse hoop het in die ding, jy het my 10 jaar terug, 12 jaar terug losgemaak van dit, jy wil in proxy staan, kie volgend vir die persoon ook staan, en sê, jy ek wil vir hom kom uitkom, maar ek in my huis, gaan nie daarby betrokken wees nie, jy maak een kompromis met die vijand, as jy die dinge doen, betouwer, ok, dankie,